Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by a freshman from the Merrimack hockey team, Matt Copani. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Matt, and thank you so much uh, for coming on today. How's everything going? Good, good, great. It's been um, we're home for break now, so enjoying enjoying myself, enjoying seeing my family again. So things have been great. How about you? I'm doing well, doing the same thing, just enjoying the holidays and just some time off, especially since last semester was a pretty stressful academic wise for myself as well. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Now, is this the first time you're back home since the season started? And what's it like uh, just uh, being back home for the first time after finishing up the first half of your season? Yeah, no, it's definitely good to kind of get a break from the hockey world and, you know, kind of be able to see my family. I haven't really been able to spend much time with uh, over the past couple of months since school started. So it's definitely good to go be able to come home and see my brothers as well. So it's been good. Now, it's hard to believe you just finished the first half of your freshman year. So what have you taken away from the games that you've played and how would you evaluate your team's performance as of now? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've started off the season pretty strong. We've, we've had a lot of games where, you know, we, it's the puck bounces one other way and it's a totally different game. And I think our team's success has been very evident this year that we're taking strides towards the right way. And, um, you know, I think our season's gone pretty well so far. So. Yeah. And when you look at the record, it's, I feel like it doesn't really indicate how your team has played because you've had very close games against some really top teams in hockey. Is that something that your team has felt as well? Yeah. You know, we definitely, it's definitely hard when you lose to UMass in three one-goal games. And, you know, you, you really hope you can take one of those games from them, you know, the defending national champions. But, you know, we've had, we've had some other games that we felt as though, you know, we kind of we let them go, you know, against Maine and, and um, the game against BU as well. So I just feel as though there's, there's been a couple of games where we definitely, definitely feel we've been on the wrong end of the wrong end of things. But we feel as though those games are helping us and being in those situations and learning how to play those games are definitely, definitely helping us grow as a team. So, yeah. Now, how are you approaching the second half of the season? Like what are your goals and expectations for the team and for yourself? You know, I think for a team wise, I think our expectations is, you know, to get to the hockey tournament and really, really make some noise this year. I think we have the team to do it. It's just, you know, it's just still growing constantly every day and getting to the rink every day and, you know, staying in the moment and taking one game at a time, I think that's going to be important for us. And, you know, personally, I just hope to, you know, be able to grow and be able to continue to develop and, you know, take strides in my game that will be able to help the program as well. And hopefully we can, you know, win some games the second half and go into playoffs feeling pretty good. Now talk about what it's like playing in hockey and just the competition you face every night because you can make the argument that's the most balanced conference in college hockey this year. No, I definitely agree. I think every night's a battle. You know, you have to show up and you have to be ready to play. And, you know, and every team's going to bring it their best. And you're a team that's definitely been able to prove that you're able to play in the league this year. And I think every night we're getting every team's best. So there's no off nights in this league. It's, it's, it's every night it's a battle. And it's definitely one of the best conferences to play in. And it's an honor to be able to play in it. Now, what are some of your favorite rinks that you've played in so far, hockey-wise, or maybe even non-conference as well? I think Maine was a pretty special rink to play in. Their their hockey hockey tradition is very rich and it's very unique. And I think that was is something special being able to play in a game there. And luckily, we ended up winning that game. And so it was it was pretty interesting to see the crowd and right on top of you. It was very it was very cool. 
Yeah, everyone's told me that's like one of the best atmospheres, not just in hockey, but in college hockey as well. And I've never been there before, but it looks pretty cool. Um, it seems like it's kind of a hike, though, to get up there. It's like a five, six hour bus ride. Yeah, no, that was that was a long trip. We took a weekend trip up there, but it was good for our team to get away. And we kind of, you know, we're on our own and we all got to spend some time together that was away from campus. So it was a good trip and we all had a lot of fun and it was a good experience. Now, you're obviously a true freshman this year in college hockey. So what's been the biggest adjustment you've had to make uh, to your game? Has it been kind of the speed or just the mental side, making quicker decisions with the puck? Yeah, I think I think the mental side of it's a lot different. You know, you can't, you got to be able to make plays on the walls and down low that you really got to focus on being able to make those plays because, you know, you turn the puck over and down low and they'll go right back down you 200 feet and put the puck in the back of the net. So you definitely need to definitely be able to make plays and I think the speed of the game is is a huge adjustment and I mean me personally it took me a little bit definitely to get into the groove of things and be able to even compete in practice but I think the speed of the game it's so it's so much better it's this everyone's so much bigger and stronger on their skates and their sticks and the whole the whole concept of um, the hockey east and the way that everyone's everyone comes to play every night it's it's very good for your development makes you a very much better player yeah and how is it like transitioning because obviously you you play at Dexter Southfield one year and you're playing guys that are essentially your age and then you go into college hockey the next year and you're playing guys who are like 24 25 years old like how does that adjustment work yeah it's definitely it's definitely been interesting I think I think a part of that's been able to have good teammates and guys that are helping you along the way and, you know, I have I have some of the best teammates I've ever had. And, you know, they, they've helped me a lot kind of getting into the groove of the college life. And I think everything that happens away from the ice contributes to what happens on the ice. So I think that was a big part of my adjustment period was the off ice point of it. And I think, you know, having good teammates and having good people around you helping you and looking after you is very good. And I think Merrimack, you know, did, did a very good job of helping me adjust to it. So. Now, what's been the biggest improvement you've made to your game so far this year? I think just my overall ability to make quicker plays and my my uh, my passing ability has been been a big focal point with adjusting to college hockey. And I think that's been a strength of my game this year is being able to make plays and quick plays on the walls and stuff. So now you got your first point against Boston University, and you also got the win against that team at home. Uh, how important was it to get that first hockey East, uh, win? but especially beating a team like BU, um, who's historically always kind of does well in the hockey's conference. Yeah, definitely. That was a very special night. We had we had a lot of fans there, and the barn was packed, and we felt as though we we needed to win that game. And going into that game, we thought that we, we, we needed to start a season off strong by proving a point against a powerhouse team in college hockey like BU has been for the past past 100 years. So they, it's it was definitely a good night, and I think, you know, getting that – Getting that win was huge for our team, you know, kind of going into things because we, we ended up playing BC a couple of weeks later and we had a good game against them. So I think that game helped us out a lot. And what's it like playing at Lawler? Just because, like you said, it's not like Maine where it's like a, it seems like a small ice surface, but it seems like um, you can use that to your advantage and kind of, it's kind of like a good home ice advantage when you go against other teams, especially like UNH who plays in a much bigger ice surface. Yeah, definitely. It's the smaller ice service is really an adjustment for a lot of teams to come into Lawler and the environment I feel as though it's it's a lot smaller so everything seems a lot louder and I think Lawler is a special rink to play in. It's it's 
it's it's a very unique college hockey rink compared to a lot of the other hockey rinks we have around here, especially in the area. And I think it's it's tough for teams to kind of come in here and play in such a different environment than what they're used to every day. So I think Lawler is definitely a tough place to play in. And I, I could imagine that most people would say the same thing, that it's one of the harder places in the league to play in. Now, you also beat Holy Cross this season as well. Um, I was at that game. That's why I kind of want to talk about it. So just talk about that win from your team's perspective because it seems like your team really owned that game in the first period. But then when Holy Cross started to come back in the second and third period, it seems like the team really held their ground and got that W. Yeah, I think that's um, that's a focal point that we're going to be um, focusing on the second half is being able to close out games and going to second and third periods feeling like we're going to come out come out of it with the win and I think that night we definitely we definitely had a mindset of we need to win this game and you know we're going to do what it takes to win and I think that's that's a thing that when our team is able to really figure out and click with that we're going to be a really tough team to play against and I think we we showed it against Holy Cross that you know we we came to play and we were ready to play and we and we wanted to win so now, apparently your team was stuck in traffic for that game because when I walked into the rink, it was like 6.20, almost 6.30, and it was like an hour left until the game started. It seems like apparently they've been your team's been stuck in a few times, been stuck in traffic. How have you handled that? Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely unique when you're stuck in uh, Boston traffic going to BU. It happened against BU the night we went there, and Holy Cross was the same with just there was so much traffic. And, you know, you, it's tough. You can't, you can't really do anything about it, and, you know, it's – you definitely got to adjust to it, but you got to be ready for anything in this league. And I think that's something that, that even when those things happen, you know, you have to be ready to just play no matter what happens. And when the, when the puck drops, you got to be just in the game and in the moment. So I think it's something that you don't really worry about too much. You just kind of, just kind of stay with it and just get focused on the game. Now talk about your freshman class and how have you gotten to know each other so far? Because you can't, there's only four freshmen on the team, but there's also four transfers as well. So how have the newcomers gotten to know each other since you guys are all coming from different places and different points in your careers? Yeah, like we have, we have, um, we actually have seven freshmen on the team. Um, we have a goalie and then we have three defensemen and three forwards. And uh, we have four, four of them are from Sweden. So that's, or, or three of them, sorry, are from Sweden and, and then two are from Canada, and then we have two Americans. Um, so we've all we've all became really close friends, and I think I think living right near each other, you know, a couple doors down in the dorm is very it's very good for us to be able to get to know each other well. And I think we've all got to know each other really well, and we've all made very good friendships so far. So it's been it's been good. And you know, I'm I'm a local guy, so I was able to kind of help. And we have another local freshman as well, so we are kind of helped you know, show the guys the area and show them the city and kind of show them around. So I think it definitely was good to be able to have a couple of local guys for, you know, the Swedes and the Canadians to come in and feel more comfortable with. So, Yeah, especially playing in Sweden, the ice surface is much, uh, much bigger than it is here in America. Um, but what's it like playing with uh, players from Europe? It seems kind of like, have you learned something from them as they've learned something from you, like you said, trying to show them the area? Yeah, definitely. They're, they're definitely – they. The way they play hockey, it's definitely very, very Swedish. Like we have a defenseman that um, he he's very um, he's very skilled and offensive, and then we have another one that's very defensive and very stay at home, but he's also offensive as well. So they both bring skills to the game that you can learn off of, and they they both are very smart hockey players, and they're both they both able to teach you things that you know you might not have thought of, like 
one like if one of them is really good at taking a one timer, he's he's been able to help me improve my one timer by you know just adjusting my hands and those little things are you know moments that you really build relationships with guys like that. So it's definitely interesting. And we have our goalie who's the tallest player in college hockey um, from Sweden. You know he obviously had to make a huge adjustment being a goalie with the with the rink size. And, you know, you can even shooting on practice, you learn that, you know, certain goalies have certain certain styles and techniques that you're going to have to be able to beat. And, you know, even shooting on him in practice and NHL draft pick goalies, it's pretty special every day. So, yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about Hugo. Um, What's it like being his teammate both on and off the ice, but also watching him play? He seems like he just stops the puck. There's not a lot of rebounds when you shoot on a goalie like him. It's, he's kind of like a boring kind of goalie. But I remember listening to your coach, and he said he kind of wants his goalies to be like that. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh, that's definitely a great way to describe it. He's very he's very um, very good at what he does, and he's very um, he's very sharp, and he's very on when he's when he's in the games. And I think he's he's a player that is going to be able to go very far in hockey. And I think you know he has the mental and the, the physical drive off the ice too that he you're going to need in, to play in professional hockey, and, and he definitely has that. Now, speaking of your coach, what's it like playing under Coach Borek, and uh, what have you learned under him so far? Because just watching your team play from afar, he seems like kind of a no BS. He tells you as it is kind of guy, just watching his interviews, but also seeing him coach uh, from the bench. Yeah, definitely. He's straight up with you. I mean, he's not going to tell you something that, you know, you want to hear, but really isn't the truth. He's he's going to tell you exactly what the truth is. And, and those are coaches that you need to have. And, you know, if you're going to want to be able to learn from the best, you're going to have to take the, take, you know, the best, the best into you and be able to take information from other people. And he's a guy that's, it's taught me so much throughout the course of the season so far, along with our assistant coaches as well. And, you know, we have a really good group of uh, coaching and a coaching staff here that's, that's very helpful off the ice as well in the college life and adjusting to college. And, and that's a big part of it as well of coaching is being able to sit down with a kid and, you know, do, do video or go over some plays that maybe you didn't think, didn't think was wrong, but he thought was wrong and go over power play and stuff like that and penalty kills. So they're all so good with being able to, to teach you stuff off the ice as well. And I think that's a huge part of coaching. Now, what have the upperclassmen been like? How have they helped your transition into college hockey? Because it seems like your team has some really good leaders on the team. Max Newton looks like a great captain just from watching your team from afar. But you also have guys like Drevitz as well who have also been good leaders for your team. What's it like playing with those guys and how have they helped your transition into college hockey? No, they've they've helped me out so much being able to just transition to college as well. And and they're they're really good guys. All the older guys are, you know, we have a lot of we have a lot of guys on our team, but we have a very tight group of tight group of guys and I think all the upperclassmen have been very very helpful with the underclassmen adjusting to college and you know adjusting to the college hockey life and being able to just show up every day and be ready to go and I think that's something that you have to be able to have teammates that look after you and help you get through it and you know we have a great group of guys here and I couldn't I couldn't thank them enough for them helping me transition to college and just the college life itself is so yeah they've been a lot they've been very helpful now let's transition and talk about your off season for a little bit how was your off season did you do anything interesting whether it was hockey related or non-hockey related yeah no we were definitely we were definitely on the ice a lot um you know we have we we have um off-season training um training schedules and stuff that we got from Merrimack you know at the beginning of spring so 
ever since spring started, I was working out doing that and working out at Stadium Performance in Dedham is kind of where I've been located after the past couple summers. And, and it's just that they've been help, so much, so helpful for me and getting me ready to go for the season. I think the off season, this past off season was a very successful off season for me. Yeah, and overall, how is training going right now? What are you working on right now, I guess, regarding your game? I think, you know, the main thing, main focal point for me is just getting stronger and being able to being able to shoot the puck harder is something I'm going to work on a lot. And just getting stronger on my feet and stronger on my stick is going to be a very big focal point over this uh, offseason as well. Now, did you face any challenges last offseason preparing for the upcoming season with the pandemic somewhat going on? I know it wasn't like um, the previous offseason where pretty much nothing was open, but it seems like there, at least in Massachusetts, there were still some kind of restrictions regarding ice time in gyms for at least. Yeah. yeah, definitely. There were, there were a lot of restrictions in place and there was a lot, a lot going against you, but I felt like, so I found, I found a way to balance everything and being able to just get outside. I feel as though I used, I used, you know, outdoors more and was able to kind of get outside and go on a run more, more than what I normally have. And, and go rollerblading and kind of hang, spend some time with some friends that, you know, you never would have thought you would been able to spend time with because, you know, you were so focused on training. So I think, I definitely think I took a different approach to the off season, but I felt as though that was probably one of the best off seasons I had just being able to focus on myself and, and focus on me is, was what I needed to do. And I felt as though I was able to do it. Now, I guess, like, training outside, where's, where, is there benefits training outside versus inside? I'm just curious about that because I don't know if you experienced it, but the weather this summer was very kind of on and off. I don't know why it was that. It wasn't the best, like, kind of weather for summer. No, I agree. I think I think it's all about your personal, your personal you know, what you, what you feel as though will help you out the best. And to me, I'm a guy who loves being outdoors. I love, you know, I love doing things. I love going on runs, you know, going on walks, just playing football in the front yard. I've always been that type of kid. And being able to go outside and and go outside a lot more than what I normally have just to train for hockey, I think, was something that I took I took really advantage of. And, you know, rollerblading a lot was something that I felt as though I got my speed up a lot with just my first couple steps. and being able to transition quickly, I felt as though just being able to rollerblade down a road for, you know, 10 minutes straight, just nonstop, it's, it's, it's very helpful. And I think that was a key to my success was being able to rollerblade around the neighborhoods for 10 minutes, 15 minutes straight and just nonstop. And I think that's something that has definitely helped me a lot. How do you stop on those rollerblades? Because it seems like it's hard to, for me, from what I've been told, it's hard to transition from ice skating to rollerblading versus rollerblading to ice skating just because of the stops because if I ever put on a pair of rollerblades I would fall flat on my face it'll be pretty bad well I think um I think what a lot of people actually saw because I I know I personally not you know the only person that picked up rollerblading a lot because I talked to a lot of my friends and a lot of guys that just across the country that definitely picked up um rollerblading and one thing that was very common going back on the ice when the rinks did open was just the feeling of the skates to the rollerblades was so, so different when you got back on the ice. It just, your first time skating, you were like, oh, wow, I feel like I'm back on my, I feel like I'm on rollerblades, but I'm forgetting I'm, I'm back on the ice. So it was definitely, it was definitely interesting to, to, to feel that and um, get back on the ice after rollerblading for 
three or four months straight. So it was very interesting. Yeah. Now, how have you learned how to balance both school and hockey in college, just because it's a little bit different than high school, but for you, it must've been a bit easier because a lot of guys have to go transition from like school and play two years, not doing school, just focusing on hockey, then go back to college for you. You kind of got to jump in, right. uh, Doing school again uh, after previously doing it the year before. Yeah, I definitely feel as though that, that part of it definitely helped me out a lot. I think the other part of it was, you know, the the play, the school I came from helped me out a lot. Dexter Southfield definitely prepared me to, to take on the workload that college gives you and be able to balance athletics out with academics and still being able to, to succeed at the maximum level in both. And it's all about a balance and being able to find the balance. And I think I was able to find, you know, a balance that I needed to the first semester and, it was definitely hard, but I feel as though I was I was well prepared coming straight, you know, from high school last year and and not taking those couple of years off just because mentally I, I felt as though that was the best the best situation for me and and it, it was it personally just felt as though that's what I needed to do and it, it's it's been good so far and I'm I've felt as though my my academic and athletic life have been have been balanced out in college so it's it's been good so far. Yeah, talking to Declan Carlisle last year, one thing he said he liked about Merrimack was how small some of the class sizes are, especially for lectures, because he says he's a type of student that has a lot of questions. So it's nice to get that relationship with the professors. That's something you've noticed uh, being in college this year. Oh, yeah, definitely. The classrooms are not, they're not lectures. They don't have, you know, hundreds of people in them. You know, one of my classes had eight people in it. It's just you're able to con- communicate with prof- your professors more and get to know them a lot, a lot deeper. And I feel like those relationships help, help, you know, you grow as a person and you grow as a student and, and being able to ask questions whenever you need to, it's, it's very, it's very helpful for a student in the college life. And, and the Mer- Merrimack, it's, it's very, it's very straightforward. You know, you, you have a question you can go ask. There's no one going to tell you, you, know, you can't do that. And, I think Merrimack's a place where they're they're very helpful with the small small classes and small community and very tight knit community and and that's something that I've felt I've benefited from a lot. Now, did you have to take any in person or online classes or was it all in person this year? No, it was all in person. We had um we had every Monday, Wednesday, Friday with my classes and then Tuesday, Thursday classes and they were all five in uh, in person. That's nice. Did you have to? Was it kind of weird transitioning back from online to in person? Because I know pretty much everyone I knew had to do online school last year. I actually, luckily, did not have to. So oh, wow. I, I was in person five days a week from September to Mar or September to May, um, my senior year of high school at Dexter. So I felt though that was something that I I benefited from. That a lot of a lot of kids were not you know able to able to get that opportunity and. And Dexter Southfield really helped, really helped a lot of people out by doing that. And, and me personally, because online really would not have been the best situation just for me and, and, and playing hockey as well. And, and Dexter was able to get everybody in person and have everybody enjoying what was the best of what you could have, I guess I'd say during the world we were living in. So yeah, I, we were in person five days a week. So I think the there wasn't really a much transition for me because I never really had the online schooling experience that most people did. 
simply because my last full year of high school was in person. And I'm thank very thankful and grateful to be able to say that because, you know, not a lot of people can say that in the year we had. So. Yeah, I know for myself, it was kind of weird transitioning from in-person to online, kind of back to in-person for a little bit and then online. So that's nice that you didn't really have to worry about that transition like most people did. Yeah, it was very helpful. And I'm I'm really grateful because that really kept me focused and, and still just stayed on track and just kept going day after day with it. So I think that was definitely something that helped me out a lot. Now let's talk about the beginning of your hockey career. So you're from Mansfield, Mass. Um, talk about growing up there and how did you start playing hockey? I'm assuming, like myself, being a Mass kid, it was the Bruins when they went on that cup run. I feel like a lot of people fell in love with hockey because of that. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I think the 2011 cup run was – it's a very memorable memory that I'll, I'm will i sure I'll never forget for the rest of my life, hearing them get the duck boats ready. Oh, so yeah. I think that's something that – it definitely – it definitely made me want to focus more on hockey. And I think just growing up in Massachusetts, you know, you saw so many guys go on to do great things. Jack Eichel, Noah Hannafin, you know, the, the list goes on and on, Colin White. So it just it goes on and on of local guys or even guys that played at Boston College, you know, such as Johnny Gaudreau. Like, you know, you were able to grow up in, in Boston and watch this, watch just this magic happen in front of you and, and you growing up as a kid, just, you know, wanting to do that so badly. And I think that's what really got me into the sport and, and just being able to follow in such great people's footsteps. So I think, I think growing up in Massachusetts and being, being a hockey kid and a hockey head that just loves hockey. And I think that's just the best place for all people. It's, it's, there's nothing like the state of Massachusetts. And I think it's a special place. And did you ever get the chance to see Eichel play with BU? Because I didn't. He was probably, arguably, in my opinion, the best college hockey player I've ever seen play. Just, like, totally stood out from the rest of the guys. I I personally did not. I've, I know I haven't really – I wasn't I wasn't the greatest BC fan growing up. I was – or, I mean, BU fan. I was a BC fan. So, I – he wasn't, wasn't my favorite person, but I still yeah. loved him and loved looking up to him. And, and no, I, I never got to see him in person, but I, I would watch his highlights all the time, just sitting in my house and just being amazed at what he did every Friday and Saturday night. Now, I know a lot of people might not agree with me with this, but I think you can make an argument that like Massachusetts is more of like a hockey state because when you look at all the parades that happened in the past like 20 years, I think the Bruins parade had the most people go to it, which is pretty crazy to think about. I agree. I, I mean, I think I think the state of Massachusetts is – it's it's a hockey hotbed it's it's nothing there's nothing like the the prep schools we have here there's nothing like the colleges we have here all the high schools all the high school hockey we have here it's it's so unique and i feel as though massachusetts is really turning into a hockey hotbed and i don't think it's it's going to stop and i think it's going to continue to grow yeah and when you look at i know not in the players were from massachusetts on the team but in the Frozen Four last year, three Minnesota schools made the Frozen Four, and then the team from Massachusetts ended up winning the whole thing. So I think it kind of shows that we're kind of growing and becoming one of the more hockey states compared to the rest of the states here in the U.S. Yeah, exactly. They, you know, to have three Minnesota teams, you know, the state of Minnesota is obviously, you know, looked at as the state of hockey, and to be able to have one Massachusetts team in there and the Massachusetts team is able to find a way to, to get through it all, and that just shows – kind of where Massachusetts hockey has kind of grown over the last 30, 40 years. You know, we've always, there's always been, you know, Minnesota on a pedestal and then other states. And I think Massachusetts is, 
it's really starting to get up there and climb the ranks. And I feel as though that's a big moment for Massachusetts when UMass was able to win that championship because hockey players all around the state felt as though we had won. And I think obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, we play against them every, every year, but it's, it was definitely a special to be a high school hockey player at the time. And just everyone felt Massachusetts winning and, and it was, it was very good and very good experience. So I think, I think the state of Massachusetts is growing and that's, that was a very big vital point to really start, start taking some steps. So. Now, who was your favorite player growing up? Was it someone in college hockey or was it a Bruins player like Marshawn or Bergeron? My favorite player was Marshawn growing up. Uh, since day one, I've, I've always looked up to him. You know, some people, some people around here call, know me as the rat. So that's <laughs> something that I wouldn't be surprised if people still call me by that nowadays. But that's definitely a guy that I looked up to. And, and he, he's a guy that's done so well in, in his role at the Bruins and helped change an organization that's, that when he got there wasn't, it wasn't what it is now. And he's a very big part of why the organization is where it is now. And obviously him, Bergeron, you know, guys like Chara, Rast, they've, they've been there since day one. And, and Marshan was a guy who really stood out to me growing up. It's just, he was the man. Like he was the guy who I wanted to be. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like people like, there's a lot of people not from here, but from other places that think Marshawn is kind of like a rap. But if you've watched him play the past like three seasons, he's been arguably the best offensive player in the NHL. And you can make the case that he might be MVP this year. I don't know how good that case is now since he hasn't played in a little bit, but I don't know. I feel like that's why I like Marshawn just because he kind of turned away from those dirty checks and kind of made himself a, one of the best offensive players in the NHL, but he still has that physical edge to him. Yeah, and he he needed to definitely change change his way a little bit because I felt as though he was he was focusing more on that part of the game, mm-hmm. and it was hurting him in the offensive standpoint and the defensive standpoint. Just being on the wrong side of pucks and not being in the right places. I think when he focused more on the important things and you know focused more on really contributing in in the game, and I think that was what changed changed him. And now he clearly is one of the most you know, dynamic offensive players in the league. And, you know, he's he's making a case to be an MVP. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if one day he does find a way to take it home. Yeah, well, he's definitely a Hall of Famer for sure. And I mm-hmm. think with him, like, he had that, I guess, slew foot against um, Ekman Larson. But I personally think it, it should have been a penalty just because, I don't know, I felt like he was trying to avoid him. And just I feel like people use his reputation from, like, 10 years ago against him on that because if he didn't have that reputation, he wouldn't have gone suspended. So I disagreed with that I totally decision agree. by the NHL. Yeah, no, he, he has the reputation of being a little being a little menace on the ice, and I mm-hmm. definitely feel his name definitely doesn't help him in those situations. But this it's the name of the game. It's 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 how the hockey is and you know no one's gonna no one's gonna look at Brad Marshan and be all oh, that that guy's you know the guy who's always slew for and he you know they're gonna look at him as he's one of the most dynamic players in the league. So I definitely feel as though he has that reputation, but a lot of people definitely definitely don't look at him as that way. Now, one reason why I'm a big fan of yourself is because you're from central Massachusetts. And when you think about Massachusetts hockey, a lot of the guys um, that find success are from kind of the Boston area. But how did you kind of find success being from central Mass and kind of helping your help kind of developing your game and getting towards those prep schools and being noticed by D1 schools? Because I think that's pretty interesting because it's a little bit harder, I feel like, if you're from Central Mass versus other parts of the state. 
Yeah, no, I, you know, my, the town that I'm specifically from, Mansfield, I, know I can only, I can only really think of one, any, you know, guy who's made it to the NHL and his name is Eric Foley. And he's kind of the only guy I can think of that played at Mansfield high and was able to go on and do great things at the college and level and, and almost make it to the professional level. And, he was a guy that I looked up to a lot when I was growing up because I just wanted, I wanted to be unique. I wanted to be able to do something that many people not, not really are able to do. And I think just setting, setting the mentality straight and being able to just push yourself every day towards, you know, the same goal of being able to play college hockey and hopefully, you know, go on to play professional. And, and that's, that's, it's definitely something that a lot of kids around here don't, they don't they don't think of they don't think of the mentality and you know they don't have the drive and i think what i separated myself from other kids was that i was able to just focus and train and and focus on the next thing and focus on the next day and and try and try and get better at whatever i could and whatever it was that i felt i wasn't i wasn't there in. and and you know when i got to high school i feel as though i was able to play in for my high school and enjoy myself and that definitely was something that help me grow as a hockey player just enjoying the game of hockey and being able to have fun with it was a huge huge thing for me now you played for dexter southfield before merrimack so how'd you get the opportunity to play there and talk about your experience hockey wise with that school and uh what'd you learn what's, what's the best memory you can think of yeah you know that there's that's a special place in my heart dexter southfield i spent you know i obviously didn't get to play my senior year because of the pandemic and you know, that's something that's always going to sit in the bottom of my heart forever, but not just not not taking that school for granted and enjoying my two years there were the best two years of my life. And I met so many friendships and relationships that I'm going to keep for the rest of my life. And in that playing hockey at that school is a special place to play. You know, the alumni that has came through there is it's it's so unique and it's so special. And I just think being at Dexter helped me become the person I am I I am today simply just because you know they want you to be successful they want you to push yourself and they want you to be able to to make yourself better every day you know we have like the school's model is you know best today better tomorrow and and that's something I really really looked into and and thought of a deeper meaning of it and and that's that's a school that if you know you want to really take take steps in your life and and learn from you know some of the best best people around that's a place where it's it's perfect for you now how'd you get the opportunity to go there because i know you played two years at mansfield high and then it seemed that what, what what kind of led to the transition to go to the prep school route yeah so my actually prep school um recruiting we'll say experience was very unique because i i had a couple options that i was reining in on you know towards the end of my um my sophomore season at Mansfield and sent my application into several other to several schools and one of those schools at the time was not Dexter Southfield simply because I just it never it never crossed my mind just because I was I was from the suburbs and driving to Boston for an hour every day it just it never really crossed my mind at the beginning but um you know a couple schools things didn't really work out at and and then I got you know, my dad went, he's a CM grad and the Donato family is all CMs and CM grads. And Mr. Donato is obviously the coach there um, at Dexter Southfield. And we kind of had that relationship with um, them. So, you know, we asked them if, if, Hey, if, 
you know, is there a spot for me? You know, I just, I had a boarding school opportunity. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted at the time. It just, I didn't feel as though that's where I fit in. And, and so we asked and, you know, we sent the application in, you know, by, I think I sent my application in, in, you know, at the beginning of July and we obviously had to go through the whole application process. So it took some time to, for them to review my application and, see if there was room for the school and luckily you know there was a spot open you know because a kid had something had happened and there was a spot open for me and and I think that's that's something that I'm gonna be forever forever thankful for and just that knowing that that's how I ended up at a, such a special place and special place in my heart it's just I'm so thankful for and and you know that this the hockey part of that school was just incredible I I had I had learned so much from some of the, some of the best coaches out there, Brian McColgan, Brian Kelleher, Dan Donato. There's, there's some of the, some of the, you know, best coaches around here. And I had some unbelievable teammates, you know, John Fosco, NHL draft picks. So I had, I just had a bunch of people around me that were helping me succeed. And, and, and we would show up every day and, you know, you're, you're showing up there to get better. You were showing up there to improve yourself because, you know, you have a goal, you have, you have something you're striving for. And, and that's something that, that Dexter was really able to really able to help me out and, and chase my dreams. So I'm forever thankful for that school and to be able to be a part of that community. Now, how did the experience help prepare you for college hockey specifically? Well, I definitely, you know, we, we were able to make a run at a new England championship and we, we fell at the end in the last game to Salisbury, which is something that I'll, never going to forget about but you know it's it's tough but we 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 learned so much as just you know human beings being able to be a part of a family and a a group of guys that going into the season you know you didn't really know what to expect and to see what we how we grew throughout those you know couple months was just incredible and and I I think that experience being able to be on a team helped me helped me grow as a hockey player and really learn how to be on a team and be a, be a true teammate. And I think the next year following it, being elected captain was something so special to me and being able to really take over the leadership of the team and to help lead and learn, learn situations that you might not have even thought you would be in and, and, and just all situations that you need to learn. And I felt as though I was able to learn and prepare myself for college hockey from Dexter. So. Now, what was your recruitment process like to Merrimack? What made you want to go there versus other schools you might have looked into at the time? Well, I think I think there's something about Merrimack that just stuck with me ever since I toured there the first day. And you know, I think I think I left I left my first recruiting visit at Merrimack saying to myself, I really want to, I really could see myself being here, and I really would love to be a Merrimack Warrior. And it took some time talking to the coaches before you know we really took some strides in the recruiting process and over over the pandemic you know we stayed in touch and I've obviously I obviously was talking to other schools and it's just not nothing had fit nothing had set well with me as much as Merrimack did and and you know when I when I had talked to the coaches the last couple times before I had really decided to go there I I wanted to I wanted to be a part of a team that was going to do something that no one's done and you know, I want to I want to help Merrimack get to the point where you know they where they want to be, and 
get to the top of Hockey East again and be able to play for a national championship again. So I think we need – I think Merrimack needed needs to be able to prove themselves, and that's just a perfect spot for where I need to be in my mentality as a hockey player and, and just as a person, as as who I am today and who I have been my whole life. I think just Merrimack was a perfect spot for me. Something I want to ask you was – Last year, three and three overtime was introduced to college hockey, and it seems like a lot of coaches now are kind of against it. What's your take on three and three? Because personally, I really enjoy it, and I feel like it will be less. It makes it less congested just because there's less players on the ice, and I feel like there's more movement with the puck. But obviously, I feel like there's some coaches that are against it. But I don't know if you watched the BU BC game a couple of weeks ago, but I feel like that kind of proved why three and three overtime should still be in college hockey. No, I, I agree. I'm per, I'm a personal very, very huge fan of the three on three overtime. I think I think it, it opens up the game and it really show, it really puts a focal point on who's got who's got the best guys, who's got the guys that can go and put the puck in the back and that to end the game. It's it's more of just having the skill guys. It's more it's more of just you gotta have the guys that are willing to win and put their put their bodies on the line in the overtime period just to you know, help their team win. And I think it's a huge part of college hockey that can't, can't go away. I feel it has to stay because it's such an exciting part of the game that fans love to see and everyone loves to be a part of. So I just feel it's, it's such a unique part of hockey that separates the sport from other sports and makes hockey hockey. And I feel it. So it's something that we, we have adjusted to in all levels of hockey because it's new in the NHL as well or new or, and I think it's it's a great for the sport. And I think it's a great idea. And I don't think I don't think removing it's the best idea. Now, what have you overall taken away from your college hockey experience at Merrimack so far? Yeah, I, I've I've taken away a lot. It's it's a huge learning and growing experience for me. And you know, being one of the younger guys and be just being able to see how how other people have taken paths to where you know you are, and just learning learning so much from so many people. It, it's it's such a unique unique place and unique time in my life where I'm able to enjoy and and learn and experience things that life throws at you that you just you never know you're gonna have and I think it's it's a huge it's a huge honor to be able to be able to be here at this moment but I think I think just being you know a college student at Merrimack and being a college hockey player, it's definitely just something that I've worked towards my whole life. And I'm just, I'm glad I'm, a, I'm finally able to be here and be in the moment and, and just keep going and keep getting better every day. So we're now in a segment I like to call the non-hockey segment, where I just ask you some non-hockey questions just to get to know you a little bit more off the ice. So my first non-hockey question to you is, what is the most interesting thing you've seen or read this week? Well, I felt as though the... I don't know how official it is yet, um, but the Olympic Olympic mm-hmm. situation with the NHL players, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what what countries take certain guys because I know there's a lot of guys in college hockey that are very good hockey players and what the impact it could have on college hockey. I know I was reading a lot about um, Mike McMahon. I don't know if you know who he is. Yes, um, I do. Yeah, I was reading his blog just today. He posted about – the impact it could have on college hockey. You know, there's a lot of high-end, high-end players that are in college hockey and that, you know, could could make their rosters and 
and just the impact that's going to have on certain, you know, programs that really rely on those guys. And so we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I think, I think that's something that's very interesting going on is, is it the Olympics are going to allow, or if the NHL is going to have, have the NHL, or the NHL going to have the NHL guys go, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I don't think the NHL is going to let their guys go. Not because – I think because the so, there's so many postponements going on that it just – it will make the schedule more confusing if they did let them go. So oh, I personally yeah. think they're not going to let them go because of that. And for college hockey, I know a lot of NHL teams didn't want their guys going in the first place just because of the quarantine rules that you have to do once you get to the Olympics. Because I think if you test positive there, you have to quarantine for like three weeks. And oh, I yeah. think it's going to be very hard for a lot of coaches to let their players go because of that. Because if you test positive, you're going to basically miss the entire season after um, February. So that's going to be interesting to look for as well. If even college coaches are just not going to let their guys go and who will be able to go. Yeah, that's, it's, it'll, be, it'll be really interesting to see because, you know, it's a very unique time where the Olympics are, you know, they're every, every couple of years. And it just so happens that this year is in such a unique period, time period in, in our our world, I guess. So it's, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting to see what's going to happen. I feel like if the Olympics were hosted here in the U S or in Canada, it would be a little bit easier to let the players go. But like, since they're all the way in, I think, I don't know where it is, but like it's in China. So I think it's going to be, it makes it more difficult to let your players go just because of how far the Olympics are from here. No, I agree. And and the travel and, and, and the testing and then all that, it's going to be a whole lot for them to even, get their guys out there. So I feel as though, you know, it, it would be a lot, but to, to get them out there, it'd be really cool, but it, it might, it's just, it might not work out. And if it were in you know United States or even Canada, it, it would be interesting to see if the team, the NHL would end up sending the guys because, you know, we're all located in, in, you know, North America. So we'll, it, it would be interesting to see if it were here, but, you know, they are in China, and that's a very, very far travel. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Now, what were your thoughts on the Trevor Zegras assist, and will you try that out in a game sometime? I don't, I don't know if Coach will let you do that, though. I don't think um, SB would be uh, very appreciative <laughs> if he saw me try that. I think I might uh, <laughs> might see the end of the bench for the rest of the night. But, um, no, he – I mean, he he's he's a coach that if – hey, if – if you think it's going to go in the back of the net, then try it because he just wants to win. And personally, I, I do not have the, the skill set in the toolbox that um, Trevor Zegers has to be able to do that. So I, I don't think I'm going to be trying that, but it's definitely, it's definitely really cool to see where the game is taken off to. And you see that gold, and then a couple nights later, you see it in the, in the OHL, and, and then you see it again somewhere else. And then in Sweden, it's like, it travels in a week and you see kids doing it all over the world. It's, it's so unique. And it's just why this sport's such, this is why I think this sport's the best sport. And I just, it's, it's hockey, man. It's, it's awesome. I was watching Logan Drevich warm up before that Holy Cross game. I feel like he would be out of all your teammates. I feel like he would be the one that'll be able to pull it off. I, I agree. Honestly, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, the kid's got a, kid's got a set of hands that are pretty, pretty, pretty beautiful and so i would not be surprised if he he pulls that out of his toolbox you know we have a couple guys that wouldn't surprise me if they were able to pull that off jeffries i think would be the milano because he has the good hand eye coordination so he'll be the one that hits in the net but drivers will be the one that makes the pass if i had to guess 
I, I would have to go with Jeffries hitting that thing in the back of the net too. He, he'll find a way to put that thing in there, no matter where the puck is on the ice, whether it's in the air or on the ice. So he'll, he'll find a way to bang it home. So I think that's, that's a definitely a good take. Now, what music do you like to listen to? I'm a huge rap guy. I'm a huge rap guy, hip-hop, you know. I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge Polo G fan, um, so I, I'm a huge rap guy. What is your guilty pleasure song? Is it like a rap song or is it like Big Time Rush or something like that? No, I think I think my guilty pleasure song would probably have to be Coming Home. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a great song that I've always I've always had on my playlist since day one. It's just, it's just a song that, I don't know, it's my guilty pleasure song, I guess. Oh, yeah. I feel like they played that for Paul Pierce when he came back. That's how I know about it. Yeah, they did. They did. I know exactly what you're talking about. So that's pretty cool. Biggest yeah. pet peeve, I feel like it's got to be traffic or just driving because you're a Massachusetts kid. I feel like that's oh, what everyone says. Oh, I'm, I'm, if you're going to ask anybody about traffic, I think the, you're asking the wrong guy because I hate sitting in traffic. I did it. <laughs> I did it every day for two years driving to Boston. So it, it was not, it was not pleasant driving to Boston every day, you know, at Dexter, but it was, it's definitely, definitely an experience that being a Massachusetts kid, you know, you have to experience traffic. And mm-hmm. I, just, I got a whole full plate of it my, my two years at Dexter. So it was very, it was very interesting. I feel like it's gotten worse now just because I feel like people just don't know how to drive anymore. Like it's, that's the one part, but then also like it's 11 AM and it's like so many cars are on the pike. It's like, Oh my gosh, like why, where are all these people going? It's 11 AM. Like I thought like leaving now would be a perfect time. Well, now I think, I think the biggest thing is, is where, why is all this road work going on? Oh, that's another thing too. The pandemic obviously paused, you know, construction working and, you know, cause everyone had to be home. So, you know, those, those workers, they weren't working on the road. So now it's, it's catch up time and oh, you can see how, how much catch up time there is because there's, there is road work, every highway, every road you drive by. It's, it's just like, it's something new every day. Yeah, but they're taking forever to get it done. Like, I'm, I go out through this bridge every day, and they've been working on it since, like, April. Like, I'm like, you'd think it would be done by now, or at least almost complete. I don't know why it's taking them forever. Oh, yeah. When you get right on 95 South, it's it's like you see traffic cones there, and it's like, I think those traffic cones were there two years ago when I was driving to school, but I might be wrong. It's like, yeah. it's like what the hell is going on, you know? Yeah. No, no, I totally agree. It's pretty brutal out there, but you know, I'm trying my best to get through it, but there's days where you just, I just lose my mind. And especially if you're running late too, it's, oh my gosh, it's, it's oh, bad. Yeah. It'll, it definitely, it definitely gets to you. It definitely gets to you. Now, if there was a movie made about your life, um, who would you want to play yourself? Hmm. That's an interesting question. If, um, if I had to go with anybody, I'd, Hmm. Probably Adam Sandler, just because he's my favorite actor and because I've, he's he's obviously, you know, Adam Sandler. And so I feel, yeah, Adam Sandler. Yeah, that's a good answer. I can't think of anyone, to be honest with you. Probably like Matt Damon, because my name's Matt. So kind of from, both from Boston. So have some similarities there, even though I feel like he looks a little bit older than me. So it'd be tough to do that. Yeah. <laughs> now, who has the best style on the team besides yourself? Ooh, the best guy on the team. Uh, there's definitely there's definitely a couple guys on the team that have some good style, but I think I think our goalie Hugo, Hugo or or Adam Arvidsson, the the Swedes have a very unique taste to 
to fashion and they definitely have um have some pretty cool outfits that I've I've seen them wear so far and you know they they definitely have a different a different fashion in in their hometowns and it's just unique to be able to see them bring their culture here and then mix it with our culture here it's it's very cool it's very cool who's the funniest on the team uh, I think I think the funniest funniest on the team is probably Ben Brar kids a character he's he's got a very big personality and he's a great kid so who is the bit best trash talker on the team well i sometimes like to think i am myself and that's <laughs> one of you um but no no i think i think there's a lot of guys out there that um are good trash talkers i think liam walsh is a really good one he's a really he has some really good uh, lines that i've heard come out of his mouth so yeah well, I remember at the Holy Cross game, I was sitting like near the glass in the third period, so you can kind of hear what was going on in the ice. And Drevich was giving the ref a little something when he missed the call, so he, he seems like he's also a good trash talker as well. Drevich is definitely a good trash talker. I think I think he's got some he's got some uh, got some lines up his sleeve that's very very unique and some I've definitely have not heard of before. So yeah, yeah he's good. He's a good trash talker for sure. Newland had some good ones as well, but I feel like that's just because he's the captain, so he has a little more leeway to say what he wants on the ice. Yeah, no, I think I think he gets to kind of he's heard it all. I mean, he's he's <laughs> been on college hockey for some for some years now, and he's been able to hear hear it all. So I think he's got a couple up his sleeve. I mean, he's he's a kid who I I've really been um really been grateful to be able to meet. He's such a great kid and great personality, and he's such a great leader and. You know, away from the hockey rink, he's just such a great leader. And, you know, those are the guys you look up to and really learn from the most. So I definitely – I've definitely taken advantage of being his teammate and definitely learned from some some of the best leadership I've ever seen. So Now back to some hockey questions now. The first one, I guess, is what advice would you give a younger player who's trying to pursue a D1 hockey career? I, I think if – if you really want to get where you want to be, you can, you know, it's, it's all about, it's all about how far you want to push yourself. And, and if you really want to get to where you want to be, you can. And, and I just think that's, that's the main thing about it. It's your mental, your mental drive and in your ability to tell yourself that I, you can compete with, you know, the best players in the, in the country and the best players in the world. And I think just showing up every day and having a mindset of, you know, getting better every day and being better than you were the, the day before. It's just a mindset that, you know, if you can, if you can really focus on and just focus on every, every day, you know, day by day, it's things will work out itself. You just got to enjoy the ride and just enjoy, enjoy hockey and enjoy life at, like as a whole. I think enjoying, enjoying what you do is the biggest part of it. And being a hockey player and and if if you're a hockey player and, and you don't enjoy it, then you're not going to be able to succeed at the highest level. And you just have to enjoy yourself. And no matter what's going on or what's being thrown at you, just just look at it in, at the positive way and just showing up every day at the rink and being ready to go and just having fun. It's, it's the it's that's the name of the game. So, and do you have any shout outs you'd like to give to any of your teammates, family members, friends, um, anyone in school that you talked to? Uh, I feel like we mentioned a few people throughout the interview, but if there's someone I forgot to mention or you forgot to mention, feel free to shout them out. No, I, I, I think, I think we've touched on a lot of people. I think there's just my, my brother is a guy who I'd like to shout out though. You know, he's, he's a guy who I got to play with my freshman sophomore year and at my, at my uh, public high school. And, you know, we, we got two really great years with each other and we were able to play on a line together and, 
you know, we were we were a better, we were one of the better teams in the state. I definitely feel as though we didn't succeed to where we should have been. But just being able to watch my brother persevere through so much because he he had a very long long history of a knee injury that was a a rehabbed injury that never was actually rehabbed, which turned into you know a whole knee not being there and just being able to see him get through that whole thing and, you know, hit his, his success and his drive just because, you know, he wanted to play and he wanted to be able to finish off his years and just him as him as being a leader of the team and being a guy who I, I've like, I've looked up to my entire life and being a role model for me. And it was definitely fun being able to play with him for two years. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. It means a lot to myself, and I wish you nothing but the best uh, for the rest of the season. I know you're going to do great. I was supposed to see your team play against UConn. On, I don't know if that game's going to ever get rescheduled, but who knows? Maybe you just don't play UConn this year. We'll see how that goes. But uh, take care and stay safe. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. And, um, yeah, thank you. Have a great day. Thank you to everyone who listened to today's episode. I really appreciate it, and it means a lot to me. Make sure you follow our social media accounts, and I'll see you guys next time with another great episode. But until then, take care, everyone, and have a great day. Bye. Let's